Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Here's one you might know. Here's one we might know. You want some sexy, you want to laugh. Licensed to talk. Licensed to talk is sponsored by Goodspeed's Beverage Center. 2202 Seneca Street. They got seltzers, heavy beers, anything you need. Ice cold brews at Goodspeed Beverage Center. First in Buffalo, firemen owned and operated. 391 Abbott Road, custom t-shirts, custom hats. Get your custom gear at First in Buffalo. Mr. Submarine, 1977 South Park Avenue. Serving South Buffalo since 1963. Lowest prices in town. Try the ham sub. Tell them license to talk sent to you. Bob's Barber Shop, 2098 Seneca Street. You got to call ahead, 716-207-9210. Talk Blue Jays, baseball, talk to governor. Get in the chair at Bob's Barber Shop. Vinyl Vibes Buffalo. Check them out on Instagram at Vinyl Vibes Buffalo. Vinyl stickers, decals, custom design, maker of the license to talk stickers, Vinyl Vibes. Charlie's Boatyard, 1111 Furman Boulevard. Great fish fries, great food, great service. Get down to the Boatyard, book your distant event. Get down there, 1111 Furman Boulevard. And Bottle Rocket Beer Reserve, 2182 Seneca Street. Burgers and bottles, Friday night. They're renting the place out. Bottle Rocket Beer Reserve. You gotta see the action there on Seneca Street. And Dog Ears Bookstore, 688 Abbott Road. Don't get your coffee from Timmy when you can get it from Tommy. All right. All right, Marky, episode 56, Jessica Gloss. She's a yoga teacher, trainer from Evolution. Evolution. Evolution, sorry. Yoga teacher, trainer, based in Hawaii, retreat leader, on and on and on. We're going to go around the world with Jessica Gloss. Hello, Jessica. Hello, guys. Thanks so much for having me on the show today. I uh, have been listening for quite a while now since you told me about it last year, and uh, honored I get to be a guest here. So thanks again for Fun. having me. Oh, yeah, we need, a, we need an episode about enlightenment. Yeah. It, it's going to get a little hairy around here. With uh, <laughs> It's going to get cold in Buffalo. People are going to get cooped in. So we're going to... We're going to teach them a couple things today. What awesome. Say? And we're going to tell a story around the world, Marky. So, Jessica, you went to Buff State Fredonia. And where does life take you after that? Well, after I graduated from Fredonia State, I um, got a degree in business administration with a concentration in marketing. And I moved down to Charlotte, North Carolina um, in, I believe, October of 05 and got a job at Cintas, the uniform people. Um, I literally sold uh, toilet paper. <laughs> I signed five-year contracts for people to buy toilet paper. Yeah, it was, it was pretty serious. But um, <laughs> amongst other things as well, I did facility service programs for new businesses and existing um, businesses and restaurants and whatnot, um, as well as uniform programs for people. And you're getting into marketing, international, and your, your story is going to take a right turn soon, but you, you end up in Europe? So my senior, or my um, last semester of college, I studied in London, England, at the American Intercontinental University for international marketing, which was pretty awesome. Lived on the Circle Line on Farrington Road, 
It was amazing. Uh, we went to school, I think, like three or four days a week. And then we would leave every, like, really early on Friday mornings at, like, 4 a.m. And we would just travel all over Europe. Every weekend we went to a different country. It was it was unbelievable. What's your favorite spot in Europe? Oh, that's such a tough question. Um, I really love Amsterdam. It's really beautiful, all the canals and just the diversity, um, the food, the flowers. It's all in the markets are really gorgeous. Um, I also really love Greece. It's, again, super beautiful. Island hopping is amazing. Just the sea is so incredible, so clear. They party so hard in Greece as well. It's unbelievable. You go order one shot of tequila, they bring you like 10. The bars never close. You just dance and party all night. And, uh, yeah, it's They want your money. Mm. They want you to spend all the money. Yeah and, yeah, and that's exactly what you do. Yeah. Right, but you have a great time. You dance. You laugh. The food's incredible. And um, Yeah, yeah we're talking to two guys who have gone literally nowhere. I've been to Canada. No, you 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 travel. I've bit. been to Austria and Germany. Okay, yeah. I've been all. nowhere. So like when you're yeah. talking about, it, I'm like, hey. well, they're not Toronto. Yeah. I uh, I rolled up into Germany uh, during Carnival and had no idea that they were celebrating that there. So we showed up in this little tiny town. It was super late at night, super dark, no streetlights. We get into our you know little hotel that we're staying in, and um, mind you, I arrived to not a credit card, not a dollar, nothing in my pockets, no bag. So we get to Germany, and it's like Halloween there. Everybody's decked. Out and from head to toe in costumes the streets are closed down there's parades everywhere everyone's like just huge parades big floats everyone's all painted and dressed up and it was like this full-on you know I mean carnival's huge I didn't know it was that big in Germany though so um, but it was pretty incredible so you're you're the backpacker you always hear about the yep so I definitely backpacked through uh yeah through Europe for sure in college yeah. your old your old pass is that what they, they call it Oh, the Euro Pass. Yep. So you can get the pass that takes you everywhere. I didn't do that. They have two different airlines there. I believe Ryanair is one of them, and there's another one. I can't remember what it's called, but um, you could get tickets for like three to ten dollars to go really anywhere in Europe. You'd have to fly from like the um, not the central airports in London, so um, not like Heathrow or Gatwick, but there's two other airports that are about an hour away. So you'd have to travel to those airports to get the really cheap flights, but it was totally worth it. And they left at like not ideal times as well, but we would, you know, leave for the airport at like 4 a.m. after a fun night out and then just head and travel all over. And I mean, the culture there is so rich, the architecture. I mean, it was just fascinating because, you know, when you travel here from state to state, you know, there is definitely it's definitely different. You know, you get to see different landscapes, how different people live, just different you know, personalities of people and, and whatnot. But there you can just cross a border and you're in such a drastically different place you know the differences between you know Italy and France or you know Austria and Germany things like that you know it's it's just so different I mean every place is rich in culture but um, you know it was really cool to see just all the different places and you know I grew up um, you know, I'm one of four. My father's a mechanic. My mom stayed home and took care of us kids. So I didn't get to travel as a kid. I mean, we went camping. I think we went to Florida once. So this was like my first real exposure to any sort of, you know, travel, anything sort of different. And going to London absolutely changed my life. From there, I just wanted to go everywhere. I wanted to see everything, go everywhere, and just like fully explore. So Treated well in London? Uh, yeah, very well in London. Mm -hmm. Really? Mm-hmm. I found that everywhere I went, I was treated very well, besides France, a little bit there. <laughs> what? Just a different kind of people, um, and, um, and, and nothing against them, but I just feel like things were very much um, 
overpriced. I remember getting like a hot dog and a beer outside the Eiffel Tower and it was like 30 euro, which is like $45 at yeah. that point, you know, when I was there. So, and everyone was lovely, but they just, I guess, I just feel like they hold themselves in such a high regard that they don't, um, you know, make time to small talk with, at least with Americans from my experience. Oh, like yeah. the language barrier also. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. So when I would travel to any other country, pretty much everyone in the world speaks a little bit of English. So when you go places, you know, I would always try to speak a little bit of their language to be respectful. And every time I went somewhere, I would learn the things that I needed to know to be able to travel around easily. And then everyone would always meet you and speak back in English, you know, and so, but not in France. They're only going <laughs> to speak in French. They are not going to talk in English. Um, and it, And it's so beautiful. I mean... Um, you know, the Eiffel Tower, the Louvre, all, all the places, Arc de Triomphe. And Could you be eating anything more American outside? Did you be out a beer and a hot dog in France? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was young. It definitely wasn't one of my best choices. But, um, but yeah. So, oh, the street meat in Europe, when I used to eat meat. But uh, the street meat in Europe was just incredible as well. They have all the, like, the little carts on every corner that you can get, you know, hot dogs or sausages and um, onions and peppers and all those things. So. Barrett's love street meat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, oh, the, yeah. The Barrett family. You should go to uh, Europe just for that reason alone. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I, I sometimes I like don't like heed the warning of eating something. I'm like, I'll eat that. Yeah, let's try that. And I'm like, the next time I shouldn't eat that. <laughs> <laughs> alligator. I went on an alligator kick. I don't even know if they were selling it at the fair. I don't even think it was really alligator. I think it was just sausage. <laughs> but yeah. and and then you end up you you know you're bouncing around Europe. You end up mm-hmm. in a place where I, I've talked to you before that, that you loved, you fell in love with, and that's Bali. Tell us a little about Bali. Is this where the yoga connection starts a little bit? or? Um, it definitely, I have a strong connection to Bali and yoga, and that holds true more so now. Um, my first experience um, with Bali had to be in about 2006, maybe 2007. I was living down in Charlotte, North Carolina, and an old friend who I hadn't seen in quite some time was um, living overseas doing um, contract work and had invited a bunch of us to come over to Bali. So I said yes and um, recruited a couple people to come along with me and there was 26 of us that ended up meeting in Bali from all around the world. We stayed at a place called Shalimar um, right on the ocean, Black Sand Beach, absolutely gorgeous. It was this gigantic villa. It was actually three gigantic villas but the one in the center was um, pretty huge probably like eight to ten bedrooms and then two little bedrooms on um, two other villas on the side big um, you know walk-in pools like right from the living room um, and just absolutely gorgeous the scenery in Bali the people the land is just so absolutely incredible the Balinese are some of the humblest most kind caring humans I've ever met and so Bali is the island of the gods so they're literally praying around the clock there they have ceremony Every day, they have days at a time where they just stay in prayer. Um, There's temples everywhere, and uh, the Balinese are constantly making um, um, prayers, um, um, prayer offerings to put at the temples. Um, So, uh, again, just the vibration of the people and the land and the temples and the gods, right? It's just a highly spiritual place. Um, It's said to be like one of the vortexes where, you know, energetically, it's just a higher vibration than... And that's Buddhism? Is it Buddhist? Mainly, yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. So what are they, and I don't mean to be rude, but what are they praying for? Uh, 
uh, enlightenment, uh, togetherness? Like, what's their main goal? Everything to be peaceful there? Is, is that what it is? Well, it is a very peaceful place, but I would say they're playing praying for all of that right so they're praying for um you know love peace prosperity um you know good fortune goodwill um health happiness all the things and what did you say Mm -hmm. vibration did it's like a higher vibration. Do you ever hear of like the places that have like vortexes where the vibrations tend to be higher, like places like Sedona or the Big Island of Hawaii, Bali, places like that? No. Mm-hmm. So they're just said to be, you know, energetically or spiritually or vibrationally, you know, higher um, than places maybe, let's say, Buffalo. <laughs> just <laughs> yeah, just no, throwing it out there here. because we can can relate to that, you know. But What's I think, the, you know, everything is what you make of it. Yeah, like the ohm, right? Is that... Mm-hmm. Ohm, right, is said to be like the vibrational sound of, you know, the universe or. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Herman Hess, the Siddhartha book I was telling you about. You ever read Siddhartha? I have, not yeah. in many, many years. Right. But. Sounds mm-hmm. a lot, you know, like that. Like mm-hmm. they're trying to find oneness. They mm-hmm. starve and go mm-hmm. homeless and then like have to like find themselves. Mm-hmm. And, and Bali's so life changing. I, I lead retreats often in Bali and. You go to this place that's so beautiful and so incredible and so different than any place that you've ever been. And you arrive in your total, complete paradise, right? But then you find yourself and all the things that you've been holding back from start to show up. And you find yourself here and you're like, why am I upset about this? Or why am I thinking about that, right? Because it makes you take a look within and take a look within yourself to, again, face the things that you've been burying or um, the things that, you know, maybe you haven't wanted to deal with, right? So those things start to come up and, and being there helps you heal, or at least that's been my experience and the experience of many others um, that have gone there. Um, it is so life-changing. I mean, every time I go to Bali, it changes my life in some way. Now, is it just relaxation and, and, and prayer, or do we have another side of town where, you know, guys like me and Marky would show up? <laughs> <laughs> Bali is definitely all-encompassing, for sure. Um, there is so much to do in Bali. It, there is a huge, huge party scene, if that's perhaps maybe what you're referring to. But, yes, there's tons of bars, tons of clubs, um, tons of restaurants. There is um, definitely, you know, a late night scene there. There's, you know, parties all day, all night. Um, there's also a huge, you know, spiritual aspect to it. There's a big travel or um like hiking you know you can hike the volcanoes there there's tons of volcanoes which are so beautiful and incredible to see Batukaru is Mm -hmm. one of um, the main ones that people hike and they spend you know all day or even days hiking Um, but yeah there's everything to do in Bali it's not just and it doesn't kind of matter what you go for whether you go to party you're still going to get some of the effects of the you know the spiritual enlightening stuff if you go for the spiritual enlightening stuff you're still going to party and have a great time Mm -hmm. right you know it's a very small island Um, the traffic is insane so you may be traveling let's say 10 miles but that might take you two hours rickshaws uh there's not a ton of rickshaws everyone's on motorbikes Mm -hmm. there are there definitely are rickshaws Mm -hmm. here and there but everyone is on the motorbikes so when we do retreats um i've had anywhere from like 15 to 30 people coming to these retreats so we're on these like big buses so when you're on a little motorbike you can just weave in and out and dip in and out and it's no big deal but um when you're on a big bus you have to you know wait for traffic to move and stuff so it takes quite a bit longer so are you starting to pick things up in this time where, you know, maybe I can 
adapt my life into these teachings and the, the, the yoga part of were you always into yoga or? sure yeah so my first experience with yoga was in Fredonia State I took a class you know like a two credit college course you know that everybody just takes to buy some time so I did a yoga course there and I, I did enjoy it. It was it was lovely. And then um, after that, I used to work out at Gold's Gym, and I took a class called um, Body Flow. And it's by a company called um, called Les Mis out of Australia, and it was a mixture of yoga, tai chi, and Pilates. And that's when I like really fell in love um, with yoga and the sort of movement um, and the breath synchronization um, with the movement. And from there, after that, I moved down to Charlotte. I practiced down in Charlotte a bit. Um, and then, well, I had Australia on here. Mm-hmm. So, so then I moved. So after in 2008, I moved to San Diego, and that's when I like got into doing yoga every day. There was a studio there called Core Power Yoga, which is a lot on the West Coast. They might have a studio or two here on the East Coast now, um, but I would go there and practice every day, sometimes twice a day. It was hot. It was heated vinyasa flow, right? So the the classes would be probably in like ninety to ninety five degrees, right? But it was a vinyasa flow, um, which was different than the you know traditional Bikram style hot class that most people were familiar with. So when I went to San Diego, I really, really fell in love with yoga, and then I quit my corporate America job, making like a hundred grand a year in San Diego, California, to pursue my dream to be a skydiver instructor <laughs> in Australia. That is a true story. I'm not laughing at it. And it's no, crazy. It's great. It, it, yeah. Well, the craziest thing about it was that it actually happened. I remember I quit my job. I was, I think it was 26. Everyone had thought I'd lost my mind. I was supposed to like travel before that. I was supposed to go to Africa for the U.S. men's national tournament, but my friend who was playing in it like tore his hamstring. So I literally packed up my all my stuff in San Diego. I was supposed to drive to Texas to fly to Africa. I get a phone call. We're going out surfing, right? There's like five or 10 of us last surf, right? We go out and right before I'm going out, I get a phone call saying that, you know, oh, Brian tore his hamstring. I'm like, oh my God, is he okay? Like, you know, that's his livelihood. He's a soccer player. And then I'm like, oh, he tore his hamstring. We're not going to Africa, right? So we go out, we go surfing. It was beautiful. I'm like trying to be present because, you know, surfing's all about being present. And um, What was, do you mean by that? Because some people yeah. might not know what that means. Being Surfing being present or just being present in general? Okay, well, is that some NAR word that we're not understanding? Yeah, because... So just being being in the moment, right? Not allowing anything that came before or anything that may come after, right, affect this moment now, right? All we essentially have is this moment right here, right now, right? So the mind usually goes to the past and it, it gets depressed or the mind thinks and goes to the future and it creates anxiety, right? So, and that's what the mind does. It thinks, right? We are constantly in these loops of distraction where we have a thought and then we have all these other thoughts, right, that, that link to it, right, which causes us to move away from the present moment. Because unless you're thinking about exactly what you're doing at this moment, which most of us, you know, and I shouldn't say most of us aren't, but sometimes we're not, right? So just being in this moment and just being present with exactly what you're doing, right? So the present on the waves. Yes. So being present on the waves, right? Because you definitely need to be present to surf because it's, it's not the easiest um, of, of sports to do. So we go out, we go surfing and it was really beautiful. I'm sitting on my board and this family of dolphins just goes like swimming by a mama dolphin, a couple of her babies. I mean, I guess it could have been a daddy dolphin, but you know, <laughs> but, but I associate it with mama dolphin yeah. and um, you know, it was really beautiful. And I just remember at that moment, it was just like, you know what? Everything's going to be okay. So I, um, we go surfing. I get back. I'm like, well, I, I, 
I don't know what to do. I'm supposed to be driving to Texas. So I, I still packed my car, and um, I had a Hyundai Tucson, and then my seats went down flat, and I had a snake, a pet snake. Her name's, oh. Yeah. Her name's MJ. So I strapped her tank to the front seat of my car, and we got in the car, and we drove to Phoenix, and I stayed there, visited some family, visited some friends, drove up to Colorado, Chicago, and then, and then home to Buffalo. So I stayed here for a couple of weeks before I moved out to Australia. So I moved to Australia. I moved to Sydney, and um, I lived in Sydney for about a month. And then I drove up the coast, and I moved to Byron Bay. When I was in Sydney, I worked as um, I did like events. So when travelers would come in, I would take them around the city to go surfing, or to go to the Opera House, or the Darling Harbor, or wherever it is that they wanted to go. So I basically it was really cool because I got paid to take other travelers to cool sites around Sydney that I wanted to see. I hadn't even been to half of them so we would just go there we would explore um, and then you know that would be my job there which was great but then drove up the coast got to Byron Bay fell in love with it ended up driving up to Surfer's Paradise and was like "Mm, Byron Bay's the spot for me so drove back to Byron Bay I got a job at the Northern, which is um, on the main drag. I believe it's called Fletcher Street. Um, the Northern was a hotel, restaurant, bar, and a live music venue. So in the front, it was just like a, a traditional pub, draft beer, some spirits, as they call them um, in, in Australia. And then behind the scenes was this massive like open auditorium where uh, musicians would come and play, right? So it was it was two like completely different um, you know, bar scenes, but it was cool. So I worked at both of them. Um, and I will tell you that Australians are very particular how you pour a draft beer. Has to ha- have like the perfect amount of head on it. Really? Really? Mm-hmm, yeah. You can't serve an Australian a beer without any head on it, and there can't be too much. It has to be and like. Foster's isn't even good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's where maybe blow the frost off a couple. <laughs> yeah. That's what they say, right? Yeah, yeah. That is. <laughs> but like in both places, like Bali, you said Shalimar. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think he was in Rick James's band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and Australia, and those people, are they ever looking for like other ways of spiritual stuff? Like ayahuasca, is that big in both? Or is that like something that you hear about like on re- retreats with people like, oh, I'm going to go and do this crazy stuff, you know? In Bali and Australia, I did not. No. come across any ayahuasca i did lead a retreat in peru last year and there is definitely i mean ayahuasca is from peru so i i haven't had any personal experience with ayahuasca mm-hmm. myself um but i do know you know again it, it is comes from peru and um some of the girls on the retreat did um dabble into that um and i do have some friends here that have explored mm-hmm. ayahuasca but and what's your theory people, on that? Yeah. We talked about Because people, them. like, think that there's, like, some enlightenment that comes of it. And, yeah, you had a good point of it. Yeah. <laughs> sure. So... <laughs> <laughs> so I do I do believe in plant medicine, right? Mm-hmm. So plants are very healing um, and have uh, incredible medicinal purposes, right? But I also think that, um, like all things, right, they can be abused. So I think ayahuasca definitely has its purpose. I Again, I don't know much about it, but um, I do know that it it has been very healing for a lot of people to... 
um, I, I've, I've heard it's really good to like heal addiction, heal that it's, um, very good to overcome, you know, certain difficulties in people's lives and whatnot. Um, I've heard different theories on it as well. Like my one friend said, you're supposed to do it three times. One cleanses the physical body, one, the mental body, the next, the emotional body. And you do it in a series of three, like a certain time apart. And the thing with ayahuasca is that you're meant to do it with an experienced shaman, right? So that's like a key element as well where you hear people doing it all the time without an experienced shaman or with people who maybe think they're an experienced shaman, you know, but I'm, <laughs> I'm pretty sure, you know, that there's definitely some, you know, I don't know, classes that go along with that or something. I don't know. Yeah. You run into any shaman? Um, I do have a friend here that is a shaman. Um, in Buffalo. In Buffalo. Mm-hmm. Yep. She's pretty incredible. Her name's Michelle. Um, and she's, she's a very, uh, very, unique and uh spiritual and really powerful healer um and i do feel like if people that are looking outside like traditional medicine right you have to be open to that right you have to be open to these different healing modalities such as like reiki you know ayahuasca um i don't even know the other ones that they do along with it i feel like they do like some frog poison yeah along they with lick ayahuasca, the frog or whatever something yeah. like that as well mm-hmm. i know nothing i just yeah i, I was just curious because you know mm-hmm. i don't like i said i went nowhere i don't know mm-hmm. where i was like you know indonesia like yeah they just do like crazy god drugs <laughs> no so there the, so over in europe and in bali there is a, like a loophole in the system in europe so like mushrooms and hallucinogens are um legal over there because like when i was in europe so you could go to the markets and they would have you would like I went over there and you see a sign that says magical mushrooms and I'm like am I reading that right (laughs) and so apparently there's like a loophole in the system because the mushrooms grow and like this is what the people said to me they're like the mushrooms grow in the queen's backyard and they're they're just natural right so we're able to sell them so you could go and you could pick you know these mushrooms are from this place and they'll make you feel this sensation these mushrooms are from this part of the world right so they had all the different, um, you know, the, all the different kinds, all the different strands, and all the, again, different ways that they would make you feel. They say you same. laugh for the first hour because it grows on cow, cow shit. <laughs> 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 yeah, this is also true. So. Um, and same thing with Bali. So, um, but I feel like probably about three to five years ago now, I, I don't know how long, they did make it um, illegal that mushrooms were now illegal. They used to do shroom shakes in um, Bali, which would (laughs) rock your world. (laughs) Um, But they are uh, illegal in Bali. And actually, in Bali, if you get caught with drugs, it's the death penalty. Oh, yeah. They don't fuck around. Um, Yeah. It's pretty serious. But like many third world countries, right, you've got enough um, money in your pocket, right? You can buy your way out of anything. So So let's talk about jumping out of a plane. Jumping out of a how plane. How does this get, how does this, we're going to turn this into a livelihood now. Yes, so. Or is it just an excuse to go to Australia? No, I have a It was deep, all lined up. Yeah, I have a deep passion for skydiving. It was one of my favorite things really? to do. Yes, I do say that when I, when I grow up, I'm going to be a professional skydiver. So I'm still waiting for that to happen, <laughs> you know, and as, as we grow up, right, we get to be a little bit more reserved or a little bit more cautious, um, so now that I have my three babies, you know, I'm not sure when professional skydiving will come into my path, but I know that it will um, one day. So when I when I lived in Australia in Byron Bay, it was interesting because I had a group of like 30 friends going over to Bali and I was so close in Australia. But 
I decided not to go and I went to a yoga class and then I went for a run and I'm like, oh, all my friends are so close and here I am in Australia by myself and I go for a run, I go down to the beach and there I see the skydiving van, right? And so I walk over and um, the guy that owned the company was Steve. There was two different companies out of there, like a really big one. I'm not sure what it was called. And then the skydiving company that I worked for. So it was just a one-man operation. Again, his name was Steve. And... Um, so I, I worked with him. I asked him if he was looking for any help. And he said, oh, my God, actually, the guy that works with me is leaving. And I'm absolutely looking for somebody. So I started working with him. And um, I didn't tandem jump with anyone because you have to be, you know, you have to go through all sorts of certifications right. to do that. But I did everything from filling out the paperwork to suiting up the um, suiting up the guests that wanted to jump. Then um, we would watch, like, the video, the you know, the warning video or whatever. Pull the left lever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, then I would have to get into this old VW van um, stick shift, right? now, And you're driving on the opposite side of the road. And I would have to drive from our place in Byron Bay to the airplane, right, which I would drop them off. And then I would have to drive to the drop zone. I used to tell the people that came to jump that they should be more worried about me delivering them safely <laughs> to the airplane than they should be about jumping out of the plane. We used to have to go up. And so when he asked me, he's like, oh, do you drive stick? I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Never drove stick a day in my life. And now we're on the opposite side. So you're driving on this side and the stick's over here, right? Oh, and the pedals God. are reversed and everything. Well, good thing you didn't learn mm -hmm. first because now you know yeah. that way. Yeah, yeah exactly, <laughs> right? So, um, yeah, it was great. So then I would get to the drop zone and um, I would read the knots of wind and, you know, see whether they were going to land. And then I would just lay in this big open field and just wait for the skydivers to come down. And then I would guide them in and, and then do the whole thing on the back end, unsuit them, take them, make their videos. And yeah, it was so. I loved working there so much because everybody was so present. When you skydive, <laughs> everything happens like in ultra slow motion. At least that's my experience. Like everything is just happening right now. It's 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 really incredible. Anybody freaking out? Second, obviously, you had some people of course, second thoughts. Of course, yeah, second thoughts. I'm not gonna go. Some tears here and there, but um, it's. For me, I love it so much, and it's it's such an it's the most intense adrenaline rush that you, for me, that you could really ever experience. Right. Followed by the most peaceful, serene, calming like parachute ride down. So it's these two polar opposites, and it's just you know again just the most intense followed by the most calming. So it's it's um, all encompassing, and everybody who came. It was so interested to see the people that came that were all like amped up, ready to go, and then the people who were super scared. But everybody after they did it, I only had like one or two people that would that said like, "I'm glad I did it." That's it's, it. It's checked off. That's my only time. Everybody, you know, generally, usually has a really good experience with it. You ain't gonna catch me doing that, Marky. Mm -hmm. What about you? No, but I still I do have to start using the word present. Oh, I know, right? <laughs> yeah. I was thinking you're the same saying thing. it like it's heavy. It's oh, like that's so that's good. Heavy. That's heavy, Doc. <laughs> <laughs> it's like what is this heavy, Marty? <laughs> so we're going to New, New Zealand next. Mm, yes. So I traveled. So I worked at the those two places in Byron Bay for a bunch of months, and then I traveled through Australia. I did like pretty much the whole eastern coast. Oh, I wanted to ask you: Did you ever see a kangaroo fight? Ooh, a kangaroo fight. No, I did not. <laughs> They're big now on the internet. Oh, interesting. Yeah. We had yeah. it out in international waters. 
Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I will have to look that up. But I did see a koala in the live. Um, it was interesting. We were going to this waterfall. Um, I can't remember what the place was called. Maybe in Nimbin. And... Um, me and this kid Bentis and um, another another Australian guy. And so we were driving to this waterfall and the kid Bentis said, have you ever seen a koala in the live? And then this guy here was talking about how rare it is to see that. And literally a minute later, there is a koala sitting right in the middle of the road with the little Joey on his back. It was <laughs> unbelievable. Koalas are Joey's too? Uh, oh, no, Joey in the pouch. Okay, so whatever yeah, the baby uh, koala is on the back. I don't know. And, they, like, and they like mm-hmm. scream. They scream. You know? I, didn't, I didn't hear I, any I'm scream. fascinated with koalas <laughs> and kangaroos. I don't know why. So what is? So what's a baby koala called then? Oh, I don't know. I just watched a video. <laughs> My daughter watches some weird show yeah. about koalas. I should know this. But when they fight, it's hilarious because they just scream at each other. The koalas? Yeah, it's yeah. like two old Jewish women oh, going really? at it. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was just again. It was a mama and her baby. Oh so. well, that's cool. See that. I, I would love to see that, like, mm, and especially yeah. mm-hmm. while you're talking about living in the present, when something like that mm-hmm. happens, yeah, makes mm-hmm. you start to think. And we'll talk about mm-hmm. that later. I got it. So then we're back to right. Buffalo. No, you, so yep. So then I did uh, travel through New Zealand. I did the North and the South Island um, of New Zealand. My brother Nicholas, who's six years younger, came to visit me, so he caught me on the tail end of Australia. And uh, we did the North Island of New Zealand together. Then I had another friend that I had met in San Diego. She met us, and we did the South Island. So we were supposed to stay in New Zealand. Had a one-way ticket, no intention to come back. And my brother, who came to visit, said, it's time to come home. And so... uh, So they came and got you? More or less. He's like, it's time to come home. I really want you to come home. And I had left. So he's six years younger, but, you know, I I moved down to my parents' house when I was 17. I... Um, you know, I went to Buff State. I lived at Fredonia through summers. After Fredonia, I came home for a little bit, and then I, I left for Charlotte. So my, my brother just missed me. My family missed me. So he said he came out to come and get me. And um, and so he convinced me and my friend Ashley, who um, I was traveling with, to go home. She went home to Boston, and I came home to Buffalo for about a year, maybe a year and a half. Mm-hmm. And what did you think when he came back? You weren't here for a little while. You obviously visited, but was Buffalo mm-hmm. emerging into what it could have been? Yeah, yeah, it definitely you know, it was starting to, for sure. Um, every time that I would come home prior to that, I would only be home for like a few weeks. So I didn't really do much. I would just hang out with my family and, and see friends. And, um, yeah, it was really wonderful. I lived with my brother. We lived on Seneca Street, and it was great to just and just spend that time with him and, uh, and, again, just spend more quality time with family and and just get back to my roots. So where are you living in the yoga now? Are you- Yes. Yes, was I? I was a nanny then. I lived here. Was that when I was a nanny? I was. Yep. So I lived with my brother for a little while, and I was um, a nanny for um, a Russian family actually. Well, he was Russian, and, and she was from um, Colorado. And I did yoga all the time at East Meets West, across from um, Spot Coffee mm-hmm. um, on uh, Elmwood. And um, I was actually training for a marathon as well. And I fell even more in love with yoga. I'm love love running so running and yoga are my um, movement passions and I there was no way I could have ran a marathon if it wasn't for yoga I would go into yoga and you know they would say at the beginning of classes anybody need anything today and I would always be like oh my legs my hamstrings and they would give me all sorts of tools and resources to be able to run I mean I think the most I ran when I was training was 22 miles you know that's still crazy to mm-hmm. me. so what are the, mm-hmm. okay 
So you want to run, let's say, to our average listener, they want to run on a 5K. Mm-hmm. What what kind of things are they doing that yoga, yoga benefits them how? You know what I'm trying to say? Mm-hmm. So things to, you know, support a running program with yoga, um, you know, I mean, naturally, running or not, right, hamstrings will tend to, to be tight or get tight or soreness in the legs and whatnot. So, um, you know, yoga helps you open up all areas of the body, you know. And if you're working on a – if you're focusing on a specific sport um, like running, right, you're going to want to do a lot of stuff to, to work out the legs, even even the arms and the upper body. Like how do you how do you hold your body in space when, when you're doing anything really, right? And do you bring your shoulders forward? Are, are your shoulders back? Do you, you know, lean to one side? How do you bear weight in your feet? So all these things are going to affect how you run, how you play sport, how you just stand, how you walk around in everyday life. Yoga really helps to bring light to all these things, right? I I love yoga so much because it helps the whole body operate more optimally, right? Yeah. And and that's not even with any of the movement, right? That's that's simply with the breath, right? Most of us don't take a full breath all day long. When, When was the last time you consciously thought about your breath? When I was walking yeah. up the stairs right, the yeah. other day, right. <laughs> I was out of it. Yeah. <laughs> right. No, no, so, but do you have to have a, a? Does your mind have to be somewhere in your breathing so that it all comes together? Take me, take me through that. Yeah. So, because there's a ton of different kinds of yoga, right? There's tons. Yep. And uh, before we start, she is a professional. Tell them, all, tell them all the yogas you're trained in. So I am trained in, my first training I did in India, I trained um, a vinyasa style or hatha style yoga that I turned into vinyasa flow. I have over a thousand hours of um, hot or the Bikram method training. And there's something weird with that guy, right? Wasn't there like yeah. bizarre? Okay. Yeah. We, yeah. Can get Check in, yeah. we can get into all that too, yeah. if, if you'd like. Yeah. Um, I'm triple certified in kids yoga. I am certified in yin yoga, partner yoga. Um, I've been leading yoga teacher trainings with Evolution for you know seven plus years now um, in all different styles. Um, so one might say that I'm experienced. Um, <laughs> however, I feel like the more that I learn, right, the less I realize I know. Because right? there all, is so much. Are they all used in different ways? Like would you say that there's one style that a runner should use, one style that someone who wants to do different things, or is it all kind of the same? It's definitely, there's all different, there are all sorts of different styles. I say that there is yoga for everyone, Mm -hmm. right? So you just have to find your style. You have to find the style and type of yoga that resonates with you and then go with that. You know, sometimes they say the style of yoga that, you know, you lean away from is probably what you need most in your life at that time but there is you know there's all sorts of different styles there's restorative you know there's gentle there's active there's power um static yoga you know flow yoga all sorts of different things so ddp yoga you know ddp yoga i'll show you after (laughs) okay Diamond Dale's page. Yeah. <laughs> I'm excited. Um, so there's definitely yoga for everybody but you know ultimately um the, the breath is so important because, again, right, so, you know, our diaphragm, which is the main muscle responsible to, you know, aid in breathing, right, sits between the thoracic and abdominal cavities. Well, when you take a full deep breath, right, the diaphragm moves up and down, right, and it changes the shape of the cavity, so it stimulates the organs, right? So as, you, you know, the diaphragm moves down, right, it presses on the abdominal cavities that holds the organs and it stimulates the organs. When it presses up, it does the same thing to the organs in the thoracic cavity, right? So when we take full deep breaths, right, it helps to stimulate our organs, right? So just that alone, right, helps us to helps the body to operate more optimally. Let's take a full deep breath. 
that's how you do it. Right. And one thing I say about the breath, which I'm sure you guys will like, is that your breath is always present. Right. <laughs> your and your your breath always brings you to the present moment. Yeah. Nobody thinks about a breath like, oh dude, I just took this breath five minutes ago. It was amazing. <laughs> I'm gonna breathe in like three breaths from now and it's gonna be it's gonna be incredible. Right? Yeah. Right. So when you <clears throat> When you go to class, right, or when you just when you start to focus on your breath, right, and, and essentially the mind can't really think about two things at once, right? We multitask, or at least women do, all the time. Mm-hmm. And we, when you start to turn your attention to your breath, everything else starts to fall away, right? Because you can't think or focus on your breath and start to think about other things as well, right? So as you tune into that, right, all the other stuff falls away, and where do we arrive? In the present. In the present. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is that with any of Tommy's uh, chakra stuff here? Is this all connecting? Uh, the chakras, yes. So um, the chakra is definitely part of you know Eastern traditions, um, energetic centers in the body where energy flows, and each um, chakra represents. Um, it's it's so there's you know spiritual aspects to it and scientific aspects to it because each chakra is um, associated with an endocrine organ and um, different parts of the body and and whatnot again I, I I've worked a lot with the chakras and again if it's something that you resonate with I think that you know the healing um, powers you know within it can definitely be beneficial if um, if you're looking for you know more guidance and it starts with a with a breath does it also start with don't don't you think and I believe this too that every day when you wake up you should stretch Mm-hmm. A good stretch. Is that what yep. people are missing? And I, I think this winter people should start doing that. Yes, absolutely. Right, and, and movement is good for so many different reasons. But yes, waking up in the morning and, and breathing and stretching for sure. Um, you know, stretching, you know, when you sleep at night, right, the fascia and the body starts to kind of grow together. So when you wake up in the morning and you stretch, right, you start to, you know, spread out those layers or, you know, help to unstiff the body, right? right? And creating movement, right? The helps the lymph move through the body and lymph, you know, carries the immune cells, right? So just simply by moving our bodies, we help to support our immune system, right? So that's why if you feel sick and you lay in bed for a couple of days, you don't really feel any better. But if you get up and you do something, right, you start to feel better, right? Because that lymph moves through the body and helps to, helps to. Uh, well, I, I think in the original lockdown, <laughs> instead of, you know, Sitting there watching, I thought Americans should have got it up and been active because mm. everything was shut down. They couldn't mm. go anywhere and things mm. like that. And I think this winter people should just focus that on their own. You know, but if you would have got, and I said to you uh, a couple of weeks ago, if we would have had LeBron James doing his mm-hmm. workout, it would have caught on like wildfire. You know, like what about like uh, name your celebrity that people look up to doing yoga. Mm-hmm. A good morning, America, or mm-hmm. something like that. So I think people should get you know, from now till what do you think, Marky? End of April, May, it'll start warming up. I think that people should stretch. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I started eating uh, heavy zinc foods mm-hmm. and drinking Dang. elderberry. Marky, I'll yeah. get you some. <laughs> and what's the other one? Uh, uh, my buddy's all into the mushroom stuff, like uh, mushroom mm-hmm. powders, lion's mm-hmm. mane, and like sure. bizarre mm-hmm. things. He loves it. I haven't gotten into that. My husband was telling me that um, one of his friends at work is all into that, but I haven't heard much about it. I swear by fire cider. F- 
fire cider is incredible. It's infused apple cider vinegar and uh, bootleg bucha on Niagara makes um, an awesome, um, you know, version of it. And um, it's infused with all like the cleansing agents as well as all the immune support. So it's like horseradish, honey, um, onion, garlic, cumin, turmeric. Yeah. And um, so I take it at night. I put it with hot water, honey, and then cinnamon, and it's phenomenal. But So I take it every day as immune support. I do it summer, winter, all the time. I mean, I've been taking apple cider vinegar for immune support for many, many years, but now I've just kind of upped, upped the game with the fire cider, and I swear by it. And if you start to feel sick, if you take it like four to six times a day and just like sip on the tea all day long, you'll feel better. Right, and I think, you know, it, it's – Outside of some people's uh, comfort zone, but I think he—I mean, mm-hmm. if I'm starting to do this, Mark, and, and things like that, like mm-hmm. pumpkin seeds and elderberry, or what mm-hmm. I'm doing now, and then cherry juice—I just mm-hmm. heard. Yep. And I think people are going to have to do this: stretch, breathe, maybe get in some yoga. I'm thinking mm-hmm. about doing a little bit more. I, I stretch, you know. But taking these things—that's not crazy. Like people, you'll you'll mm-hmm. say to a regular Joe from fucking Athol, oh, "I'm not doing that shit." You got to get out of your comfort zone mm-hmm. this day and age, I think. Oh, absolutely. We got the seasonal depression coming up yeah. soon. Like. Yep. So it's super important to make sure that you're, you know, supporting your body, your mind with doing things that, you know, are going to keep you healthy for sure. And especially with the state of the world and then coming into flu season as well. Right. I mean, it's going to be a shit show yeah. this winter. It's like, I think that more now than than ever, like you need to be proud of what you do anyway. Like mm-hmm. even if you're like, cause teachers now think about like, it's not as fulfilling, like teaching a kid online mm-hmm. it just really isn't. You don't feel like you're doing your job, but it's like, you still gotta be proud of what you mm-hmm. do and like, you know, get up every day and do your thing and get in a routine. And mm-hmm. you know, people sometimes now I just feel like are, they're down on themselves because their job isn't so fulfilling mm-hmm. because the times are so different. And now everybody's not like in that routine mm-hmm. of doing something every day. And, it's a very unique time, but what a beautiful opportunity to take time for ourselves and to mm-hmm. do all the things that we've been putting on the back burner because we don't have time and we don't have the space to incorporate these things into our lives that we've been trying to do for years, you know, and, and just to get closer to home and to be with family and to stop with so much of the external and all the things that we, you know, we fill our days with so much stuff to maybe because we like to be busy or to avoid things or whatever but now when we have all this time like what are you left with and and you know what can you do to make yourself better or to work towards a goal and there like I said with the yoga it's like my yoga practice looks so much different today than what it has in the past and sometimes I get down on myself for it because I'm not on my mat for an hour at a time and I might do 10 minutes in the morning and five minutes in the afternoon and you know, 15 minutes in the early evening and then 20 minutes at night and it might total an hour it might total two hours whatever it is right but everybody can carve up carve out a little bit of time a little bit of space to um to just be in their bodies and to just consciously you know make a connection to their body their breath and to be present yeah and and to see how they're feeling (laughs) exactly there it is that presence again right and meditation too is huge starting your day and and there are times in my life that I have done this and there's times that I haven't, but if you start your day with even just one minute of meditation and you, and you go to bed and do one minute of meditation at night, it will change your life. It really will. I agree. Mm -hmm. And if you, maybe you start with one minute and then you move up to 90 seconds and then two minutes and so on and so forth, you know, and then all of a sudden, you know, you're meditating for 30 minutes and, 
it's it's really powerful. You know, the mind is just another organ. It's it's the one that does the thinking, right? And I, the whole body needs a break, right? So what do you do? Even when we dream, right, your mind is still working. So what do you do? What sort of practices do you have in place to give your mind a rest? Because if not, we're all going to go insane, you know? And then you have everybody that plays sports, like youth sports. Mm -hmm. uh, instead of getting carried away that, oh, we can't do what we normally do, mm -hmm. I think these coaches, no matter what the sport is, should adapt yoga mm -hmm. and the meditation mm -hmm. because, I mean, this is fucking kids up to. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely, for sure. Mm -hmm. And I don't think, pe I think people laugh. I tried to do a yoga thing with my hockey team, and no none of them – they didn't care. These are 18, 17-year-old kids. I think it would help mm. them down the road. Did, what, what did you do? Did you bring in a yoga teacher? Yeah. Did you? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a <laughs> fucking, <laughs> fucking asshole. Well, tell you. <laughs> well, next time maybe um, maybe uh, bring me in. I uh, did uh, the Timon um, football team uh, a couple years ago. It was in 2016 for the summer. So maybe twice a week during summer I, uh, I taught them yoga, which was pretty awesome. How did that go? Um, it went well. They were pretty receptive to it. Um, at times, you know, they had like their laughs and their giggles. I was um, nine months pregnant. The last <laughs> time I taught them was on my due date and I was holding my side plank. Now speaking, holding a side plank, nine months pregnant. And, you know, I've got you know, the, not the quarterback, but, um, you know, some kids like down on their knees and this and that and they can't do it. I'm like, I am nine months pregnant. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If I can be up here doing a side plank, you know, you guys are young, youthful, you know, vibrant kids, you know, let, let's do this but yeah. um overall they they responded well to it i think they enjoyed it i think it's because they were scared shitless of their coach <laughs> probably <laughs> but perhaps and, and it's it's stretching and mm -hmm. it's it's using your muscles and i think if anyone's listening mm -hmm. that that's a coach and instead of complaining that you mm -hmm. can't play your games or anything where can we find jessica gloss to do these classes online right now Yes, so Evolution um, has a whole online platform now. Um, every the state of the world has actually been, you know, for me and for Evolution, it's, it's worked out very well because now we have a whole online platform where we do online classes pretty much every hour, every style of yoga. We have, you know, restorative, vinyasa, um, yin yoga. We have some um, Pilates classes on there. We have sound meditation. Um, and there's classes that are 30 minutes, an hour long, 45 minutes, and 90 minutes. Right? So for so everyone. Yeah, every style of yoga. Um, it's super easy. You just go onto the website, you make an online platform, you click book now, and you just sign up for the class. And then FitGrid sends you an email, you click on the link, and boom, you're in the class. You can do it with your camera on, you can leave your camera off, um, and you know, you just do what you can, right? Uh, you know, every day when you come to your mat, every day you wake up, right? You, things are different, right? You might have had an ache today that you don't have yesterday. You might be, not be feeling in the right headspace. So, whatever capacity you can, you know, do it to right that that's what you do right and i guarantee you that you will feel better after right look at that right. guarantee marky guarantee it, guarantee mm -hmm. it in the present mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> sorry we're just gonna keep doing it I like you gotta it. kill a joke you really gotta hammer, <laughs> really it down. Gotta hammer it so now we're gonna go back to the life india india so i did my first uh teacher training in india in goa india at a place called ashiana Oh, and this was it. We were talking about the fear, remember? Those moments of fear yes. the other day. Um, so when I arrived, so I, I flew to India by myself. I usually went every place by myself, not knowing anybody. So I decided to do my first training in India, and um, I flew there. 
And I had to transfer from the international airport to the domestic airport. And so I got off the plane. Of course, I should have had like my printout or whatever. But of course, I'm not like the most organized traveler. So I have to go out of the airport and you walk out and there's, you know, Indian officers standing there with big AK-47s like everywhere you turn and everybody looks a little different than I do no one has you know blonde hair blue eyes and it's about 10 o'clock at night so now I find out that the domestic terminal is not connected to the international terminal so I have to take a taxi so you have to wait in this really long line have all my stuff with me wait in this long line and you go up and you prepay for the taxi and they write down a license plate number on a sheet of paper And they hand it to you. And then you walk out of the airport where there are massive crowds of people. The smells and the sounds and like every sense is ultra heightened. And then you have to walk out where there's probably 100 black cabs and you have to match the number in your hand to the number on the car. And I'm like, there's got to be a better way. <laughs> I mean, like, I'm pretty sure. So I find my cab, right? I hop in the car. And then I have to go to the domestic terminal, which, you, you know, you would think is kind of close, like comparable to going from the international terminal in L.A. to the domestic terminal, right? It's a little bit of a walk mm-hmm. or a little bit of a drive, right? But it's still fairly close. So now I'm in the car for like 20 minutes and I'm like, oh, God, what's happening? But everything was all good. I get dropped off at the terminal. My flight's not till 6 a.m., so I have to sit outside the domestic terminal uh, because it doesn't open up till 6 a.m., right? So you can't even go inside. So I'm just sitting there, right? People all around. It was quite the experience. I just journaled and wrote and just took in my surroundings and observed, you know, kind of what was happening, my first experience in India. Um, and then I flew from, um, I think it was Mumbai to Goa and um, got off the airport you know, got off the airplane. I was hoping that someone was standing there with a sign saying, you know, pick up for Jessica. But of course they weren't. Couldn't remember if I emailed them to do that. So someone says, do you want to share a cab? Right. It was just like red flag. No, no, no. I'm like, yeah, sure. I get in the cab and that's the raw, like the raw fear that you just feel, you know, like I've only felt raw fear like that, that feeling um, a couple times in my life. And that was one of them. And so we drive, you know, for probably like 45 minutes headed to, I mean, I don't even know where, right? This place called Ashiana. So we get to where I'm going and the, the car stops and it's like, okay, you're here and like drops me off. And, I, and there's, there's nothing around. There's just like a long, like wooden path. And he's like, just go down that way. You'll see a wooden bridge, cross the bridge and, and you're there. Now, by the grace of God, nothing happened to the cab. All that was good and great. And so I just, you know, I just went with it. Yeah, I'm just like, (laughs) trust it. And so, you know, I walk down, I I see the wooden bridge, I I walk over it. And then you enter this like sweet oasis of just beauty and magic, really just incredible um, retreat center that it had three yoga shalas. I lived in a tree house, which was awesome. Yeah. Watching tree house masters every yeah. day. Oh, I watch that every day. That all I want is a tree house. You got to live in one? I got to live in a tree house. Yeah, it was really cool. They were giving out room assignments so like you get the tree house. I'm like, yes. This is amazing. Yeah. So that was really cool. So I spent like a month there um, studying yoga. Um, and it was um, we were in silence from seven thirty at night till ten thirty in the morning. So just, that ain't bad. Mm-mm. All day I couldn't do, but mm-hmm. I could do that time. Mm-hmm. Are there like big egos with like the people who run these things? Are they like super strict, weird like that? Mm. 
I'm sure at some places yeah. there are um, a gentleman named. Oops. Like, what do you call like a master? Like, who teaches it? Like, what do they what do they call him? One might call him a guru. Oh, guru. All right. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, they were lovely at Ashiana. It was um, ran by a guy named Chris who was European. I believe he was from London, but I'm not sure. Or somewhere in um, England. Um, and our we had um, a bhakti yoga teacher, which bhakti is um, the yoga of love or love yoga. Um, it's a different path of yoga, right? There's lots of different paths of yoga. So bhakti yoga is um, love yoga. And she was from Italy. And then we had an asana teacher, which asana means pose. It's actually the, the physical practice of yoga. Um, she was also from um, Europe. And then a lot of the people that worked there were from India, um, you know, and the surrounding areas of Goa and whatnot. So we had a really diverse staff that worked there. But we were, so we were in silence from 7.30. So just after dinner, we were silent. And then we would have our morning practice and breakfast in silence. And then we would be pretty much in class all day. So you're still kind of silent unless you're yeah. like adding to, you know, the lectures that we're, we're having. We did like practice teach and stuff and like during, and you're getting so much information as well. So I found myself even on lunch, like I, you know, I need to like process everything that I'm learning. So um, I was still rather quiet. Now, some people didn't respect the silence, like some of the people that were in the course. Um, I did, and I'm really glad I did because spending time in silence, um, it really changed me. I feel like it probably would change everyone. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I worked at a silent retreat, too, um, in Bali, which was pretty amazing. How long How long silent? What, what, what are we talking silent? We're talking silent for how long morning noon and night for 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 however long you want to be so i worked there so i was able to dip in and out of the silence um but everybody who came there um respected it oh yeah it's on sacred land i mean and it's the most it's my most favorite place in the world is um besides of course my home now can but, you um, can, can you hear everything when you're in a sign like everything like somebody not like that <laughs> like my my ankle crack. <laughs> no, because Bali is so loud. So is oh, India. Because of the, the noise yeah, outside. The, yeah, the, 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 the frogs and the crickets yeah. and the, all the animals and the people. Yeah. So it's it's really, really loud. Yeah. What would you say the hardest yoga pose is? Like, what is, like, the, the thing that you, like, work towards? I don't know. Uh, well, that's a great question. And, um you know, you, you could go a lot of different directions with that, but many people say that um, savasana, right, or corpse pose is one of the hardest poses to be in, right? It's just when you're lying down on the floor, which one might think that's easiest, right? But usually when you're just there, right, and you're supposed to just be, right, that's when the mind starts to, like, freak out and you want to, like, crawl out of your skin and you want to get up and run out of the room and, and things like that, right? But can you just be in that place, right? They say, too, you know, in some traditions, right, all – all the asana, right? So yoga, when you think about yoga, you think of, when you say yoga, right, you think about the physical practice, right? But that's only one part of yoga, right? The great sages, Patanjali, right, has like an eight-limbed path of yoga, right? And all of the limbs, right, lead you to samadhi or enlightenment, right? That's, that's the goal, right? And the physical practice in, in many traditions, right, um, was created to help you be able to sit in meditation, right? So the body could actually sit, right? Because it's really uncomfortable to sit, you know, crisscross applesauce with a, a straight spine for many people. So we use the physical practice, the asana, to help the body be able to open so we are able to sit for extended periods of time, whether it's in a seated meditation or whether it's like lying down in savasana, right? Well, it's, you're right about that. You have to be in the right place 
and it seems like yoga trained you to go further and do different things like sit with sitting mm-hmm. up but it's a lot a lot of posture mm-hmm. sure and mm-hmm. we all need better posture mm-hmm. oh absolutely for sure i mean people don't think about you know like if most people if you don't stand properly right that's your foundation so everything you do from there right so like the one of the most beneficial in my opinion poses in yoga is tadasana mountain pose just standing in the anatomical position right because if your body isn't properly aligned in that place well then everywhere you move from there is probably going to be misaligned right and what usually happens with people is even if you stand and you align the body right then when we move we revert back to our patterns right so if you're prone to like let's say an anterior tilt of the pelvis Right. But you fix that when you're standing at attention. Well, when you lift your arms up overhead, you're probably going to revert back to that position. So then when you arrive to the next space, right, you realign the body. Right. Then you move, realign, move, realign. Right. But can you move slow and with control and and think about form over depth? Right. Can you move from this place to that place without losing the alignment? Right. Oh, that's great. So now we're going to San Francisco. Am I on the right track here, or Kenya? Um, no, San Francisco's for Kenya. Where were we before that? We were. Uh, we were oh, in, India. Yeah. So yeah. I went to India. Yep. And then um, I traveled through India, which was insane. Oh, the food. Yeah. How did you like the food? The food in India is incredible. The food overseas in general is is absolutely incredible. But India, I remember we would go to like these little small. <laughs> these little small villages and you would order food and they would literally walk to the market, get your food, come back and prepare it. So you'd be waiting for like, you know, an hour and a half for like a green salad, you know, with like tomatoes and cucumbers. Um, But the food in general is just unbelievable. Everything, you know, is prepared. I feel like too, like mindfulness when you cook is, is huge. And in India, right? They're very mindful in many ways, um, so everything is prepared with with that in mind, and um, you can really taste it in the food. But it's incredible. What are they sipping on in India? What's the chai? Chai. Chai. You get chai everywhere you go in in India, whether right. it's you know a petrol station or a store. Um, yeah, little little cups of chai. So and a chai is um, uh, a combination of spices. Right, it's not like the chai that you get downstairs at at Tom's, which is delightful. Yeah. Don't, don't get me wrong, but um, it has more of like a spicy um, blend. So normally you'd go and they have like a little tray, and it has maybe five different little like ramekins of spice, and then they prepare you a fresh chai. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's wonderful. But the yeah, everything in India, like I said, it's ultra heightened, and it's through the driving, the traffic is is really interesting. So we took um, a bus. From Goa uh, to um, to Humpy, which was incredible. We got invited to a um, a wedding there. So the whole town, it was a dry town because many of the places in India are dry, no drugs, no alcohol. Um, so we went there, and it was incredible. The whole city had shut down. And again, it was very small, whole town, I should say, shut down um, for this wedding. And they invited us to the wedding, which was a huge, huge honor. Right, And again, there's not very many, like, blonde hair, blue eyes, mm-hmm. you know, and um, it was myself and a friend named Tanya who's South African who's blonde hair, blue eyes, and we were traveling together with um, with two other girls, and so we get invited to this wedding. It's in this, like, ancient temple, and um, 
weddings in the south are very different in India than weddings in the north. Weddings in the south are like smaller, not very like glamorous. Weddings uh, weddings up north are um, they have like all the temples and the mosques just like lights, like Christmas mm. lights on steroids. I mean, like every strand is lit like this. They don't do the outside frame, right? They they light up the entire thing. It's <laughs> incredible. But anyways, we get invited to this wedding. We go to the wedding. It was beautiful. We got invited to the reception. They were making these, um, they have these like gigantic pots that they were making like rice and curry. We got to eat on banana leaves. They served uh, me and my friends before like the women and children, which I kind of felt a little uncomfortable with, but they were like, we were like celebrities there, you know, because they had these, you know, Americans and you know South Africans as well um, at their wedding but really cool experience I would get like stopped on the streets and have people take pictures people would come up and like hand me their babies why is that is because you're the in the retreat or it's because you're different looking just because you're different yeah looking. Really? yeah mm -hmm. wow yeah yeah, all the time. Yeah. yeah. And at first it's like, okay. And then, you know, it, it's very <laughs> intense. The driving, like I said, is very intense. So we, we took a bus, which is fine. You're on a bus. You get to sleep. It's big. You don't really notice what's going on around you. Well, we got up to um, Delhi and we missed a train, right? They over always overbook the trains there. So if you get on, it's great. If you, you know, it's kind of mm -hmm. like a shot in the dark. So we thought it would be great to rent a car, right? So we rent a car, we get a driver. Oh we're like, we're just going to drive all over India and go whenever we want. We're not bound by any time schedules, this and that. It was probably one of the most intense experiences of my Someone life. driving around. Yeah. Oh my God. So if you have like a four lane highway, you would think two lanes, you know, on the right would be northbound, and then two lanes on the left would be southbound. Not in India, right? The two lanes on the right would be north and south, and then on the left would be north and south. And literally the entire time, you're just weaving in and out of traffic. I mean, so intense. Like, and during the day, it's not that bad, but once it gets dark out at night and you've got a semi coming at you and there's semi lights and you're just like, is this it? I yeah. mean, you might think that, yeah. you know, yeah, it was, it was, it was very intense, but, um, and the silence, I was really grateful for the retreat to spend time in silence because there is not a moment of silence in India at really? all. Except for maybe the Lotus Temple in Delhi. That was really beautiful and really quiet. But other than that, yeah, the sounds, the smells. Is it like uh, how I picture it, like the markets, like big mounds of spices and like they always have like very neat, colorful. Yeah, yeah. they're always mm -hmm. stitched up real nice. Yeah, yeah, but so especially in the north, especially during wedding season. So when we were there, I guess that, you know, that's what people are saying it was wedding season. So yeah, lots of beautiful jewelry and very colorful, you know, outfits and whatnot. Um, but yes, mounds of spices everywhere and, and <laughs> yeah, so okay. much smell. All like, right, yeah. All the yeah. smells, like really, really smelly. In all the ways. Yeah. Again, <laughs> in all ways. And yeah. Yeah. But, you know, lovely. It's, you know. It, like you said, it, like, impacted you. You know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Now, like, when you, like, mm -hmm. I went to the Masters, and I was like, now I watch the Masters. I'm like, oh, yeah, you walk up there to get the tent, and mm -hmm. that's where you get the beer. <laughs> you know? Like, it's yeah. like, probably, like, now you see yeah. something about India, and you're like, no, I know all about it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh -huh. it's, it's the smells yeah. and the this. I love watching, um. Right. Like I, I watched Eat, Pray, Love the other day and you just see those like little snid bits at the beginning where she's like driving through the car and that's exactly what it's like. You know, everything's moving so fast and you're like trying to look around and it's just like lights and smells and sounds and people, you know, there's people everywhere in India. There are cows everywhere in India. Like, in, you know, and cows will stop up traffic for like ages. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I think you got to so. think like how fortunate you are. Like now, I think, man, I'll never see the world like the way it is now. I know, it's like it's I don't know if that's ever going to mm -hmm. happen. Yeah, it's um, it's it's crazy. I I do hope things return because 
Because that's your your happy place over there, and you probably want to take your family there mm. one day. I don't know if I'll be. <laughs> I don't know if I'll be taking them to India. Of course, if my daughters or my son wants to go to India, I will certainly go with them and take them for sure. But, but that's um, not a family trip kind of deal. Maybe Australia. Um, my daughter Emma asked to go to Australia all the time. She <laughs> is. She just turned four in August. She's already been to Bali, Thailand, and oh, to South wow. Africa. Mm-hmm. Oh my god! Yeah, that's so cute. They have little passports, and they're like five months old in their passport <laughs> pictures. Um, but she she always asks me to go back to Bali. She right. asks me two three times a week to go back to Bali. Wow. I, got, I got zero stamps in my passport. Mm-hmm. Also, yeah. don't have a passport. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, but yeah, if, if they want to go to India, I would be happy to take them to India. I don't, you know, I, I always want everywhere, like I said, pretty much on my own. I don't know if I'd want them going to India on their own. Right. Um, so a lot's changing. 15 yeah. years or so, whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And looking back, my poor parents, they probably had to be, you know, terrified. Yeah. Um, you know, now that I'm, you know, a mother and have a family. <laughs> but, uh <laughs> You know, I just think if you have your wits about you and you, you know, go in and, you know, are aware of your surroundings. And I always, everywhere I went, everybody always welcomed me with open arms because that's what I did. You know, I didn't have my guard up. I was always, you know, respectful and and generous and courteous. And that's always what I received back. So I was, I was very blessed, very lucky to have such wonderful experiences. We're going to go, we're going to keep it going, Marky. Kenya in South Africa. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. So now we're going to go to another continent that we mm-hmm. haven't been before. Yes. Yep. So I, after San Diego, I moved to San Francisco. San Francisco is actually my favorite city in the world, which R- is, is really? such, it's a very bold statement. Yes. It is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't really have favorites, but um, I love San Francisco so much. Um, and I just, I had to live there. So I moved to San Francisco. It was, it was short. Um, I lived um, in old army barracks. Right outside the uh, out the outside the Golden Gate Bridge was really cool. Across from Fort Mason Park, have you guys been to San Francisco? I I have a long long nowhere. time ago. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they had this uh, these old army barracks that they turned into um, apartments. Right, so I lived there across from Fort Mason Park, which was an incredible park. It just went off on the weekends. Tons of people. Everyone would be playing like cam jam, drinking games. I don't. I guess there's no open container law, but um, it was great because I loved to run and stuff. So I would run by the water and the bridge every day. It was just it was awesome. But um, I came home to Buffalo to do the Tough Mudder. And uh, while I was here, I got offered a job in Kenya. Yeah, in Lamu. This uh, It's an all-sand island off the coast of Kenya. And it's pretty random. But how it came about was my friend, my South African friend, Tanya, that I told you about, um, she had asked if I wanted to do a retreat at this place um, called Kizingoni. And it's um, a place in Lamu. Um, it's a series of these like seven like massive stone houses right on the beach. Um, and they're mostly owned by uh, Europeans, I believe. And this was years ago. So one American and then the rest were owned by Europeans. And they used them for like holiday homes and stuff and rented them out. But they had indoor pools, you know, and it was kind of like open. They were exposed, you know, indoor, outdoor, you know, eight, 10, 12 bedrooms. They, uh, every home had um, its own staff and whatnot. So she had asked if I wanted to do a retreat there. I said, sure, let's do it. Well, she got pregnant. And then the retreat center called and asked if I wanted to come and work there for a few months. And so I said, sure, why not? So I went out to Lamu and I worked there for a few months. I think my visa was for like three or four months. And they were pretty strict on visas at that time, so I couldn't renew it. But um, yeah, I worked on an all-sand island, no cars, no traffic. Um, And when guests would come and stay at these houses, I would be their private yoga instructor. 
Oh, what what kind of guests are we getting? Heavy money? Um, yeah, I would say a combination. I mean, to, to get your own private instructor. Mm, you, you know, is it that was, common or? Well, I was the instructor for you know the place, or, but um, they they paid in U.S. dollars, which was fabulous. Oh. Yeah, and I I did pretty well. But now guests had to come, right? So it, Christmas time was insane. I was teaching teaching like twelve classes a day. I actually got involved with the retreat um, center um, like down the beach as well. So I taught at both places, um, and it was a pretty wild experience because for the first like couple of weeks it was pretty dead there wasn't a lot of people there and I literally lived in like an African village with about 70 to 100 Africans and there was four they called us um, Mzungos which are like expats or you know white people um, (laughs) that uh, that lived there Um, so and it's a huge kite surfing place so that was pretty cool. So I got to go kite surfing and stuff. So when the when there weren't guests, we were able to like go kite surfing and um, windsurfing. Um, so we were able to go kite surfing and windsurfing. There was a little bar and restaurant next door. Um, there was a floating bar that was on the opposite side of the island. Um, but yeah, it was pretty cool. So we would just go from like house to house, teach yoga, meet the guests that came. Um, again, it was used. Um, it was really busy during like European holiday times because most of the people that owned them were um, European. So, yeah, it was really cool. So I went there for a couple of months. Uh, and then from there, um, I had about a four- or five-month break till I had to be in South Africa. So instead of staying in Africa, I decided to go to Bali because, oh. I, <laughs> because I love Bali so much. So I got a job at a silent retreat. So that's when I worked at the silent retreat. So I stayed in Africa for a couple months. Then I went um, to Bali, worked at um, – it's called the Bali Silent Retreat. It's in a place called Mom. How original. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, it's in a place called Mangan, which um, is like if you said, if, if somebody knows Bali, I guarantee they have no idea where this place is. But it's pretty close to Tabanon, which is in like in central Bali. Um, and it's it's just incredible. Um, on a clear day, you have views to the volcanoes. And again, it's a silent space on sacred land. The food out of this world. Now, are you food. a vegetarian here or are we still eating meat? I am just starting to dabble into being a vegetarian. Is that easier well, when you're would, on the road? I would say pescatarian. What's that? Pescatarian is someone who only eats fish. Oh. Because when we were in Africa, we had chefs, right? So I literally did not cook one thing in Africa. Not Really? Yeah. So, but they would catch all this fresh fish. So they would make us fish, right? So all I, you know, I, I eat vegetables and fish really. And then once I got to Bali, yes, I probably had meat a few times, maybe, maybe sushi once, but the um, Bali Silent Retreat was um, vegetarian. And the chef there, Simon, is a genius. You can check him out at New Earth Cooking on Facebook. Mm-hmm. He owns a restaurant called Zest now in Ubud and he travels all over. He really supports, um, and educates people on food as medicine and the creations that he comes up with are just literally out of this world. If you tried the food, I mean, you would, I mean, if you had access to it, you wouldn't turn back, <laughs> right? But it's hard to do there. Lots of stuff with like jackfruit. He um, bought a bit of land um, behind the retreat and has a huge garden there. We would go on super long runs every morning and then we would go to the garden and we would pick um, all fresh fruit and vegetables and then we would go juice and then we would make stuff from the juice pulp and yeah, I mean just wow. unbelievable. That fascinating mm-hmm. and healthy mm-hmm. because I, I don't like I don't have the present to to do that <laughs> yeah. you know with a right. with, with a one-year-old running around mm-hmm. and stuff talk t- 
talk to us about how how secure are you feeling? You're traveling around the world. I, I've noticed there's not really any talk of any bodyguards or anything like that, and you're traveling with other young mm-hmm. ladies. Mm-hmm. Is that in the back of your mind? There is only a handful of times that I felt unsafe um, or scared or like I said, those like that's the fear, right? And I've only felt fear, like raw, real mm-hmm. fear, a few times. Um, in Africa, the um, I believe they're called some burus that um, patrol the beach, right? Because we're right next to Somalia, right? The Lamu is like right there. So the Samburu, they literally just walk around the island and are meant to protect the people. Well, I got myself into a situation where I kind of veered a little bit away from my retreat center and found myself on the other side of the island and I had to stay overnight and things got a little bit hairy, not in a way that I felt I could manage myself, but I ended up getting a hotel room and I had this umburu like banging on my door. The like, people that are supposed, supposed to, to be protecting it. me. Yeah. yeah. Like banging on my door, like trying to get in, you know, and you kind of just lock the door and curl up and uh, try and go to sleep. Wow. So, um, and sometimes, you know, I'm, I'm very open. I'm very loving. Um, so, you know, and I'm a hugger, right? So, and that's not just me here in Buffalo. That's me. And that's just like mm-hmm. that, you know, true nature of me. So, you know, I probably hugged some people in Africa that I probably shouldn't have because they kind of didn't want to let go, oh, yeah. you know? So oh, yeah. you only have to, that only has to happen probably twice, you know, before I was like, I'm going to stop hugging people. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going <laughs> to give the elbow, the, you know, the pound. But you're from South Buffalo, <laughs> so you're tough, you know? Actually, yeah. I just came up with a good reality TV show. It's uh, you take girls from South Buffalo and bring them to a silent retreat. (laughs) 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 And now I would watch that. And now you got to kick them off. Yeah, it would would be hilarious. And you can't drink Mick Ultra for the rest of your Uh, life. Yeah, Yeah. girls just like, uh, no, girls from here just really want to get their word in, you know? (laughs) Yeah, well, and, and like in silence, you know, I feel like it's changed me so much. I'm really like sensitive to sounds now. Like I... You know, as far as like background noise and things like that. Um, so, but yeah, it's a really cool experience. I would love to yeah. do like a Vipassana where you spend 10 days in fully silence and you eat like really bland foods. There's no music, there's no cell phones, there's no anything. And you just, you meditate for like 12 hours a day, 12, 15 hours a day, probably. Some could wow. use that. Yeah. yeah. That's like the next well. step once I. Once I can get a ten day break when my kids are probably much older. <laughs> yeah. so. Well, it's you're fortunate to have uh, you know, just taken these mm-hmm. chances and take getting this sure. experience, you know, mm-hmm. like a lot of people wouldn't go out of their comfort zone mm-hmm. and do that kind of stuff, you know. And you're getting to travel around here. Mm-hmm. How are we paying for this? Because of the that old job or are we behind the pine bartending? <laughs> a little bit of both. I just, you know, found ways to navigate um, the travel you know, world and to, to make it, you know, a lot of people would look at my life and was like, Oh, you're so lucky and thought I like lived on vacation. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no, traveling and vacation are two very, very, very different things. Right. Traveling is, you know, it, it can be hard and intense. So like, you know, when I was traveling through Australia, like I couldn't go to Australia for a few weeks cause I couldn't afford it. So I had to, I moved to Australia and I worked. Right. So then right. I worked long enough to save up money so I could travel a little bit. And before I usually go on, you know, trips, um, I would get like five jobs. Like I remember in San, in San Diego before I went to India, I, I literally like I worked at three or maybe even three to five places bartending and I would just like literally work first shift, second shift, third shift. Right. I saved up, you know, like seven grand in 
five weeks or something. And then I spent that and maybe spent another five. Then I came home and I was in this cycle of, you know, working, saving up money, traveling, coming home, working that off. And, you know, and it was just this cycle of, you know, because every place I went, there was always another place that I wanted to go. And there's always going to be another place that I want to go. And now I'm lucky enough where, you know, the my past has created my future because now I lead retreats. So I'm able to share what I've experienced with uh, with a lot of people from Buffalo who I feel like don't have the, not that they don't have the capacity, but they don't have the, I don't know what's the word is, but they just, they don't think it's attainable. Like that they, you know, I usually, when we do retreat, I go to places that people have never heard of or like, you know, people just don't go to South Africa. Right. Right. I mean, some people do, but many people don't. Right. So when I do my retreats, I plan everything start to finish. So you literally don't have to think about a thing, not a thing, not what you're going to eat, not what you're going to pack, not your flight, nothing. Right. I take care of everything start to finish. So literally all you have to do is say yes. Um, and because of the things that I've done in my past, I've been able to not only go to places that I've been to before that I know, but I'm also like, we just did one in Peru. I've never been to Peru. I've always wanted to go to Peru. It's been on my list for so long. And I'm like, let's go to Peru, you know? And, and if you had come, you would have never known that I wasn't there before. (laughs) Right. Because, you know, not that every place, you know, more or less, like once you start to figure out how to do these things, right, you're able to you know, more easily um, navigate the things that you want to do and... Um, and Becoming that. a professional at it, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Sure. So, and, and it's, uh, it's such a joyful experience to be able to bring people to these places and just to see the, the changes and just to see, like, the wonder and the joy and uh, just all the magic around it and, and then to see the um, bonds that are formed within these trips too, right? You go halfway across the world with people that you've never met before, you're instantly connected and you have such an incredible experience, right, that it forms lifelong bonds that are different than the bonds that you have with the kids you went to grammar school with or high school with or whatever you know Mm -hmm. it's 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 just different for sure and Mm -hmm. we talked about meditating and dreaming and connecting down Mm -hmm. you have a bit of a dream this is (laughs) an interesting story would you would you like to talk about that yeah this is one of my favorite stories so I was in South Africa, and so when I was in South Africa, I ran my girlfriend's yoga studio, and I taught um, like three classes a day, and I so I taught like a 5 a.m. class, a noon class, and a, a night class, and so a lot of times I would sleep in shifts, or as I like to call it, face rest. I would come home and just have a little face rest for a little while, and um, I had this little tiny room. Me and my friend Aaron lived there, and uh, I would wake up, and I'd have these like big wolf spiders all over my room, and different animals like crawling on the roof and stuff like that. And so I would wake up and see the spiders on my walls, and I kept dreaming about John Glose. (laughs) Me too. And (laughs) okay, you're gonna have to tell me about that later. But um, yeah, we played soccer when we were little. So John and I sat next to each other in first grade, and I wasn't a huge fan of boys until I sat next to John in first grade, and I had the biggest crush on him, and then um, we dated in, like, seventh and eighth grade, which was, um, you know, your your first, like, proper, you know, boyfriend, and uh, when we graduated, he went to Timon, I went to West, we did not see each other at a dance, a school function, a party, a Bills game, nothing in like 18 years. Did, did not, like did not see each other, speak to each other, anything. And then I started dreaming about him 
in South Africa, I used to wake up in this little tiny room and be like, I keep dreaming about John Glose. This is so strange. And I had like four or five dreams about him. And I'm like, I have to reach out to him. Like, because if not, I'm just going to keep dreaming about him. And this is just, it's just kind of weird, you know? So of course, like any human, I stalked him on Facebook and was like, okay. I remember his Facebook photo. He's like dancing with an older woman and what it had appeared to be like a wedding or whatnot. I'm like, okay, well, it doesn't, you know, I don't want to like, you know, yeah. Step on anyone's toes or anything. So I sent him a message and I'm like, oh God, how am I going to word this? And it was in like late March that I messaged him. And I just said, um, hey, I know we haven't spoken like 18 years, but um, you keep making a guest appearance in my dreams. And <laughs> I just wanted to reach out and say hi and see how you were doing and, you know, yada, yada. So we had like a couple of conversations back and forth. But I was in, so I was in South Africa at this point. I had come home. And we had, like, talked because our, our grammar school was clothi- closing Our Lady of the Sacred Heart. So we had talked about, like, going for the final walkthrough. But we never ended up getting together because, as I said, I just come home, hang out with family, didn't really do much. And then we didn't end up getting together till about 18 months after the dreams and the uh, message. And I actually came home on a Tuesday. I went to a yoga class at Evolution on Thursday. And then I went for a run at Hoyt Lake. And I thought about him. I'm like, maybe I should hit up John Glose and see what he's up to. And that was probably at about 7 o'clock on Thursday night. And Friday afternoon, he called me wow. and uh, asked me out. Yeah. Wow. And uh, I was supposed to go to this yoga event, and I was supposed to hang out with my mom. And, she, you know, again, I, I spent a lot of time with my family, so I didn't want to take that away from her. And uh, I was like, oh, I'm supposed to go to this yoga event. He's like, there's there's a yoga class at Canal Site tomorrow morning. <laughs> it's, at, you know, 930 yeah. or something. He's like, let's go. So we go on our day date, you know, at 9, 930 in the morning after he had a big night out. So it was very fun to watch him to do yoga after yeah. <laughs> after that. Good thing he stayed such a hunk, huh? Yeah. You know, like uh-huh. you're just having dreams about some guy. Yeah. And then, <laughs> yeah. You know, and showed up. He's not, huge, yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah, we played soccer, and uh, he was I was like the fat kid on the team, obviously, and he was like the tall, like, you know, really good shape, but he always treated everybody. You know, he's always mm-hmm. like Great super guy. nice guy, mm-hmm. you know. Yes, he's wonderful. But the story mm-hmm. reminded me of uh, Paulo Cello, the alchemist. Oh, my gosh, you know? I love him, yes. And he, he has the dreams about the treasure, but then the mm-hmm. treasure was like underneath him the whole time, mm-hmm. and he mm-hmm. went on this big, long journey. Sorry for anybody who's reading The Alchemist. Yeah. I ruined it for you, but <laughs> He's the, one ba- of, yeah. the, the tr- treasure's underneath the church, mm. the ruined church that he had the dream in. Yeah. Yeah, he he's one of my favorite authors, and I know uh, it, it's incredible, mm-hmm. and it amazes me that he spent his whole life here in Buffalo. And in anyone who knows him, he's just incredible. He's one of the happiest, most pleasant, just joyful people I have ever met. And um, that that he was thirty four years old and not married here <laughs> in Buffalo. Yeah, I mean, how does that happen? Yeah. you know. And then me, who has literally traveled all over the world, has met. <laughs> so many people and done so many things that I, you know, that nobody, no one stopped me in my tracks like he did. Like I came home and we went on our date and then that was it. And I never believed that whole, whole when you know, you know, like that, <laughs> that was not something that um, I believed or that I've ever experienced. But you have to, you know, you have to experience it to know. Right. right. And as soon as I met him I, and that was it. I had a. Um, I was actually supposed to end my year in Bali and stay in Bali. I would have had, you know, a bunch of money because I had worked all year, and I was just going to stay in Bali, and just work and live till I felt like leaving. And uh, he he changed all that. 
That's very cool. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I stayed here for a few weeks. I um, canceled as many things as I could. I still had to work. I worked in Bogota for about uh, four weeks, and then Bali again. I was supposed to go to Western Australia as well, but I gave that up. And um, again, just subbed out as many jobs as I could. And I was home um, mid October, and we got together mid July. So. And then. Wow. The rest is and history. And then, yeah, right? the rest is history. We were <laughs> engaged within uh, like three months, married within a year, baby, uh, like almost one year to the day. Wow. Uh-huh. Wow. Yeah. Now, yeah, it's been five years, a little over five years, and we've had three babies in uh, in five years, and yeah. And you're still training. Well, mm-hmm. like in in uh, last year, we met each other. We were bartending mm-hmm. together. Right. She was my Thursday night partner, and. We just started talking about, uh, like, I had a lot of questions with uh, birth and all that kind of stuff. And you were very active still when you're, when you're having children, right? Mm-hmm. And, and oh, is that sure. it's mm-hmm. some, give, give the women out there that are pregnant or go, going to be pregnant uh, a couple tips on how to keep active with the yoga and things like that. Um, to keep active with yoga, um, Love in Motion has an awesome um, prenatal program. Rebecca Mercurio is phenomenal. She teaches on Saturdays, um, I think 1230 class starts. It's a 90-minute class online or in person, and she she is phenomenal. She um, really changed my course of everything. Um, I was leading a training here in Buffalo, and she came to train, so I met her. I was um, about seven and a half months pregnant leading the training. And um, she introduced me to Catherine uh, Morrison at the birthing center. And um, I knew I wanted to have a natural birth. Um, I, my first intention was to go to the hospital. Now I know that had I been at a hospital, there's no way I would have been able to have a natural birth because it's pretty intense. If anyone, <laughs> I mean, you guys both have kids, so yeah. you've experienced birth and all its wonder and, uh, and glory. But um, so, yeah, she does a prenatal class there. I'm actually working to start up a prenatal class there as well on Tuesday evenings. I just have to um, move some things around. But um, just moving your bodies and whatever you do, do it to the level that you sweat, right? Sweating is so good to balance the hormones and moving the body is really good, um, again, to balance the hormones and, you know, during uh, pregnancy after pregnancy um, your hormones are just you know all over the place so it's really important to um, try and maintain and find a way to um, establish balance in the body so whatever you do do it to the level that you sweat um, they say to do like 300 squats a day to prepare for labor as well which yeah that's intense wow. um, but yeah and just to just to move your body you know when when we birth um, if you have like holding patterns in your body you know babies move to the areas of least resistance so if if things are out of alignment um, or there's something inhibiting, you know, the opening, right, of, of the birth canal for the baby to come out, right? You just want to make sure that you're doing things to um, prepare your body. They say, like, the um, energetic output of birthing a baby is like running a marathon, Um and, and that would say, and I'd say in some cases, right, Emma, my first, was 24 hours, all natural, super intense. She was face up. It was, you know, but I was grateful I was at the birthing center because I was able to walk and move around, and she eventually flipped, and um, and I was able to, you know, and to birth her naturally. Um, and it's such a, you know, it's such an incredible 
experience pregnancy and birth. I'm just so fascinated by it. I, I just, I love it so much. Like us as women and what we're able to do and create with our bodies is just unbelievable, you know, and then to be able to birth our babies into the world. And it doesn't matter if you birth your baby naturally or vaginally or C-section, like however your baby comes into the world, like, you know, the, the work that mom and baby have to do to make that happen is just, is so profound and so, um, just, just incredible on every level. It's, it's really awesome. 20 minutes took my life. Was it a C-section? Uh, well, no. Oh, really? I mean, of pushing. Okay, like we were okay, there longer. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm, but, yeah. oh mm-hmm. boy, it was over like Good, that. I couldn't believe that's it. That's fabulous. Good for her. That's great. <laughs> Turned white. My feet sweated a lot. <laughs> Talk about sweat. And like, I, I was like, that's it. You know, yeah. it, unbelievable. Yeah. No, but you're right. Yeah. It, it is. It's unbelievable. Marky, uh-huh. you know, I mean, yeah, yeah that's crazy. Great. But you gotta, yeah. you gotta stay in shape mm-hmm. you when do. you're pregnant. Mm-hmm. You gotta do something. You gotta walk. Yeah, you know, things and, like that. It, yeah, and it's so important too. You know, your nutrition as well, because baby gets everything. So when, um, you know, when you're with child and you need to be able to make sure you're nourishing your baby and then also nourishing yourself, right? You have to be doing all these things to take care of your, you know, mental and, you know, emotional state, right? Because there's, there's lots that go on, you know, the worry, I feel like, and the fear that every mom holds and carries, right? I feel like yoga and meditation is really helpful to combat that, right? So the stories that we tell ourselves, right, when we're pregnant and the things that we worry about, right? It's just... Right. When you find yourself in those thought patterns, right, you have to change the narrative. Right. Yeah. And, and yoga and meditation really help you to recognize those things. Right. So when you find yourself in whatever sort of spiral or whatever sort of thought pattern that you're in, like, how can you, first of all, recognize and like observe, right, that these things that you're thinking, they don't exist. And most of the things we think about, right, again, they don't exist. We think to the future and it's things that we don't know are going to happen. We think to the past and we, we rewrite the story or we get depressed because we want to be back in that time or whatever the case may be. So just, you know, using um, yoga and meditation as a, as a platform to to help be more in our bodies and to be more connected with our babies. Be present. Mm-hmm. And be present. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to end on a bracelet story. Oh, oh, very, very good story. Yes. Another one of my favorites. Um, so in my retreats, um, we do lots of different ceremonies, but um, one that um, I carry with all the retreats is that um, we do the ceremony with this red string and um, we loop them all together and you set an intention and you also let something go. So when we were in Thailand, there was probably about 25 of us. I had my babies there with me and um, John and I had always planned to have a third child, but we were, you know, going to wait a little while because we had two pretty close together. But um, so we go to Thailand, we have the ceremony. My intention for the bracelet was to be a little bit more patient. And with that, I was manifesting a baby boy. So the bracelet was about patience, baby boy, patience, baby boy. So every time I looked at it, I was like, patience, baby boy. So um, on Father's Day, John and I, you know, (laughs) made love. (laughs) And um, the following day at like 3 o'clock in the afternoon, my daughter Emma goes, Mommy, what's this? And it was my retreat bracelet. But the thing was is it was still in a circle. So it didn't fall off my wrist, break off my wrist, tear. It was still in a circle. It was too tight to go back on my wrist. I almost brought it today to show you guys. I have it saved in a, in a Ziploc bag. I still try and put it on. I'm like, is my hand swollen? Like, <laughs> how did this bracelet come off my wrist in a circle? Like, how is it even possible? So John had just gotten home from work. And I looked at him and I said, John, I'm pregnant. He's like, what? I'm, like, I'm pregnant. He's like, 
what are you talking about? I'm like, I bet you a million dollars I am pregnant. So of course we had to wait like a few weeks um, to find out. And sure enough, I was pregnant. And then and it was a boy, which was awesome. And I found out the day before um, the retreat in Peru that it was a boy. So it was really cool that I got to go there and share that with everybody. And, you know, the retreats are so powerful. They're so healing, right? So the things that you want to come to fruition and, you know, all the, all the work that you do, right, um, to heal the things that are holding you back from moving forward, right? That's really what we focus on. Um, and we also have these just incredible experiences. So, you know, I the work that um, that we do and I was blessed with my little baby boy and it was awesome. That's great. Mm -hmm. It just goes to show you, Marky, you have a little patience. You could live in the present. <laughs> Jessica Glose, you are now licensed to talk. Thank you very much. And where can we find you to hit you up for uh, yoga lessons? Yes, um, Evolution Yoga. Um, so you just go to Evolution um, Yoga online and um, you can get on their online platform there. There's also Evolution Yoga Buffalo on Rhode Island. We should be opening in the upcoming weeks. We're just kind of working all the, um, you know, um, formalities with the, with the COVID and whatnot. Um, also, look for me at uh, Love in Motion for prenatal yoga. That should be starting up on Tuesday nights in the upcoming weeks as well. Um, if you're interested in yoga teacher training, please reach out to me. Reach out to Evolution. We train around the world um, every month, right? So we're always training. We just started a training yesterday out of um, um, Godsford, Australia. So um, yeah, so we're always training. We make it accessible to everybody, um, all the classes, all the training. So please reach out. Um, I'll hook you guys up with some free classes. Cool. Yeah. So you guys can come and check it out. All right. Well, yeah. go awesome. Bills. And yes. Do you have any retreats coming up? But like, is it next retreat um, is in Bali, of course. Okay. Um, and does like the time does Bali restrict is, everything? Yep. Or? So everything's pretty restricted right now. Um, I'm hoping that it works out, but it's May 22nd to May 29th is the next one. Um, I pushed it back hopefully far enough that um, everything's good. And then after that, we're going to New Zealand. In and how November. do you contact you for that? Like if you were going to do that, um, you can reach out like to me at um, yoga jess1125 at gmail.com. Again, okay. yoga jess1125 at gmail.com. Um, and yeah, and just uh, hit me up and um, I can give everybody the ins and outs and Very cool. guarantee you will not regret it. <laughs> um, but so honored to be on the show, guys. Thank oh, you so much. Thank it's you. so wow. much fun chatting with you guys today. Really, oh, yeah. really wonderful. Hope, um, hope everyone enjoys it as much as I did. All right. Just breathe, Marky. Present.